the Playhouse and That's Not Canon Productions acknowledge the Yuggera people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this show today and all surrounding areas where we live, learn and work. We also pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Podcast back, 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 back again, again, again. Playhouse back, playhouse back, playhouse back, Yeah. So have you ever needed a jingle for your for your workplace advertisements or perhaps some voiceover artists, perhaps Chelsea and I are an okay option to settle for? Hit us up. Welcome back, roomies. How you doing, Chelsea? Oh, I'm good. I'm feeling fabulous. Feeling fresh. Feeling what about, funky fresh. What about, what about you, Brooke? I'm, I'm, I can't do this accent very well. Can I, I'm, I feel like I sound like Stitch, but like not at all. Don't do my mouth. Convincing. <laughs> How are you, though? Good, good. Rocking on. Rocking on. Speaking of rocking on. Yes. Tell, tell me about your favourite Muzak. Muzak? Yeah. I love me a bit of ABBA. Oh. So I'm going out on the dance floor and there's really good music. It's a good vibe. Just chuck on some Dancing Queen and we'll be vibing. Absolute tune. Yes. What about you? What do you feel like? What music do you like? Oh, so much variety. Yeah. Like I, like I, whenever people are like, what kind of music? I'm like literally like everything, but like specific people from everything. Like I'm like a fussy eater that eats all kinds of food, except with music, yeah. but also with food. Yeah. That was a weird way of saying that I don't have one <laughs> specific favorite artist. I have a few that I love, like love Michael Bublé. Oh, birds flying high. Chelsea Bublé's in the house. You know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, my nan and I saw him live last year, like wow. right before Miss Coco. I won tickets. I feel like I need to tell you this story <gasps> one day. Quickly, go, go, go. Oh, okay, okay, super speed round. Um, so Michael Bublé has a perfume that's really yummy. Um, bit of a recommendation for you all, not sponsored, obviously. Michael Bublé rose gold perfume. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And... Bought it from Chemist Warehouse, again, not sponsored. Um, and they had one of those promotions where it was like, buy a bottle, hop online, give us your receipt number. Mm-hmm. You could win two tickets to see Michael Bublé. And I was, I love Michael Bublé. Mm-hmm. And I saw him when I was on schoolies, actually. Oh. <laughs> That's how much I love him. I was like, service paradise. Schoolies Michael Bublé. It's like, service paradise. Uh-uh. I'm going to spend some time <laughs> with the Bublé. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, I'll enter. I'm not going to win, but I'll enter. And then I was doing my groceries like a few months later and got a phone call and they were like, is this Brooke Edwards? And I was like, because it's from a blocked number. Oh. And I was like, um, I Who don't know, is this? who's talking? And they're like, hi, man, I can't remember the person's name. She's like, hi, I'm Sharon from Chemist Warehouse or something. I can't remember. Oh, wow. I don't know if her name was Sharon. But I won Karen. tickets. And then, <laughs> Karen. Um, won tickets. And because my nanny had always played, um, whenever I visited her house, always was she was a big Michael Bublé fan. That's how I got onto him. Aww. So I was like, I'll take nanny with me. And it was good. It was so good. Oh, lovely. It was so fun. Music is so wholesome. Yeah, and our guest today. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, speaking of musical talent, Brooke, where to begin with today's house guest? The Herald Sun have described him as having an extraordinary gift for making music, but I don't think that quite covers it. Now, I reckon we can hype him up a bit better, Chels. Yeah. Our Rumi, mm-hmm. he's a Rumi now, is a seasoned professional performer of both the stage and the screen, but it's not just his face that has found stardom on both of these mediums but his music as well. Oh, yes. So, 
Matthew Lee Robinson is an Australian composer and lyricist whose talents have seen him pen music for Emmy Award-winning TV shows in the Australian Music Examination Board syllabus and, if you would believe it, for Coca-Cola. Oh, that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> This Whopper graduate is currently based in New York and has more accolades to his name than we have done podcasts, which is quite a few now. We're up to episode 10, Charles. I thought we would not make it till three. (laughs) Good achievement there. (laughs) But his numerous awards aren't even the most awe-inspiring part. Mm -hmm. Get this. He has written musicals for a US national tour of a stage adaptation of a classic from our childhood, The Magic School Bus. (gasps) Oh, my God. I remember that. How cool. How cool. Was Miss Frizzle. She's my, she's my teaching idol, honestly. <laughs> oh, in 2019, he premiered his original musical, Atlantis, <gasps> led by Tony-nominated director Kristen Hange and is working on his next original musical, Black Box. Okay, have we given him the hype he deserves? Oh, I hope so because I just want to meet him now. Me like, too. Like right now. <laughs> do you want to do like it now? really like, let's hop on the Zoom. Let's go. <laughs> Yes. Well, let's welcome Matthew Lee Robinson to the Playhouse. Hello, welcome to Playhouse. Well, it's great to be here. How are you doing today? Oh, excellent now. How are you? Oh, so good. Couldn't be better here in Melbourne currently and just enjoying the view through the window, having a lovely day. Oh, you're so positive. We love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, do you want to uh, explain what you do in the creative industry, who you are and what your your role is? Absolutely. Right. Well, I've, as so many do in the performing arts, I led with the thing that I loved the most. Um, So first I went to, I was a Rockhampton kid who went to Whopper and studied musical theatre and then I graduated and I had this whole excellent life where I got to sort of, I don't want to say tick all the boxes because that sounds like it's just like uh, that, then that. Um, but I enjoyed this fantastic um, realm of life as a performer and I got to do Mamma Mia in the ensemble and then I did like a, um, a play at, um, at what uh, the the institution that used to be called Playbox before it became Malthouse Theatre. And I was like, yeah, and I did some like guesties on TV on Stingers and Blue Healers. And then I got some lead roles in musicals and I was like Pippin and Pippin and Freddie and My Fair Lady for Opera Australia and um, Henrik in A Little Night Music at the Opera House. And it was absolutely delightful. And I must tell you, I got to perform opposite all my childhood idols, which honestly was just so heartwarming like Anthony Warlow and Deborah Byrne and Marina Pryor and I was like oh this is heaven and Nancy Hayes and um so that was that life and so I took everything from that era and period of time and have brought it with me into this next phase of life which now I'd always been writing songs since I was like 12. (laughs) Um I used to bash on the piano in Rockhampton and dad was like turn it down (laughs) um he did he loved me though he loves it he loves music um but uh, sort of inspired, I guess, by my mother being a primary school um, music specialist, there was always music in the house. And so I was writing songs and then I got to, went during the Whopper time, I recorded some songs in a studio, flash forward to during Mamma Mia time and people need songs for their cabarets and they're singing my songs in their cabarets now. And, and then fast forward and during Pippin, I I was aware, like I, I had already sort of won the Pratt Prize for Music Theatre, which, which was Metro Street, my first musical. It got um, produced uh, at the State Theatre Company of South Australia. So like during the performing life, my, my composer lyricist life was certainly sort of um, emerging. 
to me and I guess the broader community. And so that's the one that's uh, really led me to where I am today. So I reached out to Stephen Schwartz during the Pippin time and I said, I'm sure you've heard of Lucy Durack, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Never heard of her. Right. Never heard of her. Who's that? <laughs> What's she ever done? Um, underground. <laughs> totally underground. Um, and so I sort of heard her voice in the back of my head because speaking of deeply positive, she's deeply positive. Have you noticed? Um, and during Pippin, uh, I heard her in the back of my head. She just like came to me in a voice and she goes, Maddie, email him. Just find a way. And I'm like, do you know what, Lucy, in the back of my head? I'm going to do that. So <laughs> I Did e- you know Lucy at this point? Or was it oh, just her voice was there? I should say, I should say that um, Lucy was in first year when I was in third year at Whopper. Oh. Yeah. And then we, um, and then when she graduated after she did Mamma Mia, we didn't overlap in Mamma Mia, but um, we both did do it at different times. Uh, she contacted me because she liked the songs I'd recorded during my Whopper time and she used to listen to them in her car driving um, to like Clown Week in Fremantle um, from Perth. And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm going to do the Sydney Cabaret Convention, Maddie, and I just would really like to sing some of your songs. Do you want to come up and play for me? And we'll do like, it's like a double act, but it's her, it's her like um, sort of skit, so to speak, her period of uh, time on the stage. And we got given, uh, they invented an award for us. <laughs> Oh my god, that's such a flex! <laughs> oh my god, they because she because she didn't win the competition, so to speak. But she she was a finalist, but they said to her and to us, they went, "We love Lucy performing your songs, Matthew, and we really like your songs. We'd like to invent the judges' award, which essentially was an encouragement award, but it was an acknowledgement that they went, you two together working on that material makes good sense." Yeah, and so as the years went on, like. Um, when Metro Street won the Pratt Prize and there was a fully paid two-week workshop at Chapel of Chapel in Melbourne, um, I, I, um, she attended, She was my date to the Pratt Prize at the Raheen, this multi-million dollar mansion where the Pratts live, um, and I won and I literally handed her the pink lemonade and she was like, <laughs> and so I went up and did my speech. And then in the car, oh, sorry, in the kitchen after the event that day, I was like, do you want a job? Do you want to play the role of Amy in the Metro Street workshop for Metro Street? She was like, yes. Um, and so around that period, that's where in that exact sort of time frame, she got her first lead roles for the production company. And she was Laurie in Oklahoma and, um, and she was in Kiss Me Kate, but I was in as well at the time for the production company. So it really, that, that period of time for us emerged uh, sort of overlapped heavily so her methodology of how she's so good at being clear about what she wants and to be honest drawing it towards her because her like frequency oscillates at such a high pitch and i mean that in a sort of energetic way also she can sing very high um <laughs> yeah so i sort of took that and so then when i'm like it's you know closing week of pippin and i literally did hear it in the back of my head saying something deeply encouraging and positive and so i reached out to steven and he replied within 24 hours um, via email. He just, I found his email on the internet, just on his website, which is on the internet. And to be honest, the email address is not there anymore on his website. So I think like since then he's been inundated, but um, so I just said, hi, I'm playing Pippin in Pippin for the first time professionally in 30 years um, since John Farnham did it. And I'm also a composer. Thank you for the music. I'm also a composer lyricist. Um, could I show you my work one day? And he, re- yes, replied within 24 hours. And he said, well, I'm coming to Australia for Wicked casting in nine months. If you want to check in closer to that, we can meet up. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's where that period of time, I, 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 I rediscovered the phrase, go where the yeses are. 
um, a dear friend, Jennifer Pierce, who's this awesome performer in her own right and also a great vocal coach out of Sydney, she has this phrase that she got from a psychology friend. You can tell I'm big into psychology, right? It's like how you achieve everything you want. Um, and that phrase that Jennifer Pierce got was just go where the yeses are. And so then I've got the Metro Street royalties and money from my fair lady and I go to London for the first time and um, uh, as an adult and I go to New York for the very first time and I sit in Stephen Schwartz's apartment and where... Um, so I had met with him in, in, in Melbourne at that time, flash forward, he wants to keep the relationship open. So really once a year for five years or so after that, I would go to New York and I would invite Stephen and a handful of others more and more over the years to attend my readings of my musicals, uh, that I started doing. Um, and so really that brings us through to today, I guess, whereby I got this awesome literary agent and he in New York and he said, you're gonna have an incredible career, but you're not gonna have it till you move to New York. And so, yeah, so the gauntlet well. was thrown down. Yeah, the gauntlet was very clearly thrown down. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very clear what I had to do. And so then I guess, as you can imagine, I'm sure you've got friends who have tried to work and live in America. Um, really, there was a solid five year period of, working visa application and then working visa application and then green card application and then i mean there's a whole story attached to the it's a whole process oh my gosh. Differently. <laughs> yeah. yes 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 so so today i i am um i have a uh, my husband scott morris and i have a residence in new york city which is sitting there right now yeah. um that we will be heading back to sooner rather than later yes. and we also have a base in melbourne and between those two cities and these two countries uh i i'm a composer lyricist and um co-book writer often on the on the shows i'm working on for musicals and then also uh, more and more i'm now venturing into the tv and film world Wow. Oh my goodness. That was incredible. <laughs> oh, I was just like, oh my goodness. He's done so much. You're an expert. In his life. <laughs> I'm going to head off right now. Cheers, guys. See you later. You keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Do you know what, though? We're talking about, all we're talking about is making things. And look at the two of you sitting here today making this thing. You're making things. You're going to make oh. me cry. No, but you are. Oh, so sweet. Oh. any creative field because it's there's I don't know I don't know if this is just a me thing but like it feels like there's so much pressure to like ah you know to be a 10 out of 10 to like there's expect like you think that there's expectations to getting to that yeah to being in the industry really when there's no there's no limits or criteria or standards really um would you say there's no is the question is there no standards or limits that we have to attain or be kind of yeah right i mean that's an interesting question isn't it i probably have five different things to say about that in in, in different ways um <laughs> okay uh so look you're only ever racing against yourself to be honest mm -hmm. and when you start racing against other people that's where the issues start happening right i was yeah. talking um i've recently I mean, God, we're really diving in now, aren't we? But um, I was recently talking to someone who um, is a, a very good um, a creator in their own right, but this week actually. And I passed on something to them that had occurred to me recently that I had been implementing somewhat, which is the issue I find ever since like, oh my God, this entire time of being in this industry, because our work is always advertised in order to make money, it is in your face. So everyone's accomplishments, I mean, forget about Facebook, everyone's promoting themselves on Facebook, etc., Instagram, all the rest. But the issue is you are 
sitting at bus stops, you are crossing, let's use your example, we're crossing over the bridge to go to QPAC. People's faces and names are on the sides of buildings, right? <clears throat> and so if you don't have a good sense of self, you're going to look at that stuff. And I've created this like metaphor called the marketing train. And you jump on the marketing train and on the marketing train, it's, it's like a, it's a bit like a, a New York City subway, to be honest. It's like, it's stuffy. Sometimes the air conditioner doesn't work. People are yelling. Everyone's trying to sell you something. Um, everyone wants different things. The energy is overwhelming. And to be honest, it's, you just got to get off the marketing train. You're here to do the work. You're here to do good work. Uh, whether you are the vessel of the delivery of the lines, so to speak, or whether you're a creative, whether you're, I mean, um, I, we, we haven't talked about Zane today, of course, but Zane's producing this podcast today and everyone has their role. Everyone has their space and their skill and we're here to develop our skills and do the thing. So that is like a roundabout way of saying that we all individually in our own ways have to get off the marketing train because it will drive you mad. That's true. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like you're my life coach now. Everything you're saying, I'm like, wow, that's that's a, that's the answer I needed. Put like little quotes of it as well. Yeah. Matthew Lee Robinson. He said this to me. <laughs> he said, get off the marketing train. So I did, but I can't remember what the marketing train is. I have to give him a call. <laughs> um, yeah. <gasps> wow. Well, you you seem to be so well-rounded, but how... Like, is, is there a key to starting your creative process? Does, do you just get a flash of idea? How does, what happens? Right, right. So here's the thing. So different people listening to this today will need to hear different things, I think. And it usually comes uh, where you are in your journey of life, of being alive on this fine planet. I, um, it's often been said, and I do tend to agree that maybe between the age of, let's say eight years old and let's just pick an arbitrary number, let's say 26, 28, that period of time, because you're like quite ego focused and you're working through stuff and you're hearing, you're probably imitating a little bit. Maybe your work sounds a little like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Maybe it sounds a little bit like um, Stephen Schwartz or Alan Menken. Let's just pick a couple of examples. Um, you will tend to imitate a little earlier on because you're trying to work out, you're flexing muscle, you're working out what you like, how you like to express yourself. Um, and so up like in that period of time, often you're, uh, you're writing about or creating from a place of who am I, what's my life? What, what am I going through? Oh my gosh, I just broke up with someone and it feels awful. Um, and what am I going to do about that? Like, how do I process it? So it's about processing your feelings. And often they say that your first musical that you write tends to be home. That's about your home. And if I look back, you kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, In the Heights, that was his home, Metro Street. Yep, that was pretty much about my home. It was set in Melbourne, but it was kind of about a family trying to work itself out during a marital breakup and, and some illness. Um, so, but then the cool thing is, and what I've got to is that I actually am only, I'm only interested now in, in writing for the project, for the product. I need to know. Who is our protagonist? What do they require? What are they going for? What is their hero or heroine's quest? By the way, can I say that we don't hear the word heroine quest ever? I still hear hero's quest. And like, I'm very interested in never just letting that be the only thing that gets said when we're talking about a quest. Um, so what are they, what is the journey around? What do they need? What do they want? What's getting in their way? Who's the antagonist? I just, it's all project specific now, which is quite delightful. It was difficult at the time because I was like, oh no, I'm not writing about my feelings anymore. Oh no. Uh, but uh, so to get specific, if I'm writing for whether it's TV or film or musicals, 
I just need to know exactly what's happening, what has happened just before this moment in the piece. And I sit there at my piano and, or keyboard, whatever you got access to. And I just start playing. I put myself in the position of what they're going through. So it starts with a feeling. And then I start put, putting my fingers on the keys and I go that tempo. I don't break it down really, but, but really what we're dealing with is what is the tempo? What is the key? What is the flavor? And then I play a riff and then I'm riffing with my fingers on the keys. And then that's all happening. And then usually around that time, I find the core of the song. Cause let's be honest, so many songs have a repeating chorus or at least they have a title that is going to come back. So then I'm like, what's my linchpin? I'm like, I'm climbing an ice sheet and I've got my hook into the ice sheet wall, but what is the hook that is in in the ice sheet. So that usually becomes the title um, or the concept around which everything maneuvers itself. And one of the big things I learned from Stephen Schwartz early on, because like what I guess I didn't say is he became my mentor for that sort of five year period. Like really, really that's what he, he was. And he, we remain close, but he doesn't need to be in the room every time I do a reading now. And, and we sort of both know that. So, so really what that big update from him, although there were like probably five to 10 updates. I wrote a Churchill um, Fellowship uh, report on it because the Churchill Fellowship supported me on it. Um, I mean, so, so many things, but it, that, that you don't have to make the obvious choice, that you can come at something from a hundred different ways and all of them are relevant, but never choose the cliche version. If, if you've heard it before, I don't really want to hear that again, if that makes sense. Oh. And then you just go from there. That's the process answer. Process. <laughs> so when you're when you're doing the creative process, do you ever get those creative blocks in when you're um, trying to work it out and you get like, oh no, what if it's not what I think it is? Like are you getting second doubts or anything like that throughout? Um, I don't I've never had writer's block, I must say. Mm-hmm. But what I have had is See, the tune of anything I'm writing, the tune usually comes within three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically know what the tune's going to be and what the chords underneath are going to be. But the lyrics are, I find, what takes, because I choose my words so carefully, and I know as a lyricist, of course you're going to choose your words very carefully. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's something, I don't know, I think, because I, I do believe that half my brain is an accountant and the other half is a is a creator, <laughs> a creative. Nice and combination so, there. <laughs> Right. And so then when I'm in my lyric zone, I tend to find that my accountant brain gets a little chatty. He starts going, this needs to be exact. This needs to be bang on. I don't want to, I want the scansion to be great. I need perfect rhymes. Don't you give me an imperfect rhyme here? And so then I find that like, I don't know, I'm the director of Atlantis, which I'm sure I'll end up talking about today, but um, that's one of my musicals. She's, she was the first person who ever said to me, do you know what? Just channel it. I'm channeling half the time. And I got a bit freaked out. I was like, channeling, that sounds a bit spiritual. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about spirituality because I was brought up a Catholic for 12, in, in school for 12 years. So like I had resistance to the word channeling. Not that there's anything wrong with the Catholic church, of course. Well, I mean, there are things, there are things we could talk about. Okay, there are things we could talk there's about. Lots to there's a lot there. we could talk about. <laughs> but, um, so I had resistance. The short version is I had resistance to the word channeling. And I was like, Oh no, when I write a song, the tune's just coming. It's coming right down the pipeline. But yes, if there's any sort of tendency towards overthinking, it can be in a lyric world. So maybe that's my equivalent. I love all this advice, to be I honest. Know. It's amazing. You're just, you're honestly hyping me up so much. Like, keep I'm going, like keep anything's going. possible. <laughs> yes. I am your cheerleader. I am yes. your cheerleader. Go make more podcasts and direct and act and all the rest. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you've, you've developed an incredible career. 
and we will touch on Atlantis later because we do want to talk to you about it. But before we want to take it back, we wanted to talk about Mamma Mia. So you're walking into a developed production, but also in that like first, because you were in the first Australian cast? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it was, yeah, it was the first Australian cast and I'm trying to think of some people who are reference points for today too. Well, maybe, maybe that's unkind. But there's, like, people still performing today who are, like, absolutely in that cast and were just, like, starting out on their performing quest. Wow. Um, it was a beautiful room. Like, Phila Deloitte had come across from London um, as the director, and it was a very special time. Anne Wood and Lara Mulcahy, Rhonda Birchmore, were our leading women. Um, Natalie O'Donnell was uh, our young leading lady. I mean, to be honest, when we like, sometimes I think that I'm pinching on a screen with an iPhone or something when I zoom into something and I like, we could zoom in on this particular sort of part of the story for a while, but I'm trying to think what the overview version is. It was thrilling. Yes, it was already organized. I, I didn't have to make or create the music lyrics or the book. Like I think what you're getting, getting at is that it was a delight and it often is a delight um, to, to step into something that's done. It's done. It's finished. I don't have to, I don't, we don't have to listen to the audience to find out if we have to rewrite that line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a pretty cool place to be. And, and often during the period of time where my life was as a half performer, half creator of musicals and songwriter, often I would step back into a show that someone else had made and go, Oh, Thank God. Thank God. I don't, thank God. I'm just here to do that job. I'm just here to do that job. That's great. I mean, what came along with that, of course, was, oh, I've wanted this my entire life. Oh, and now I'm here. Oh, and now what does that mean to do this eight times a week? Oh, it really hurts. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so I, look, I haven't I haven't been um, a, a student in a three-year musical theatre degree in Australia for a while, but um, I hope slash I would suggest if it's not there already that there are crucial things that no one is telling you. Crucial. And I would even go back to primary school and high school and go, there are crucial things that we are not being told. You need to know how to do tax. You need to know how to engage with a human in a future like relationship like when you're in high school i mean i know sex education is something but you know what should also be something how do you deal with people do you know what should also be something problem conflict resolution i want everyone over the age of 12 to understand conflict resolution i mean i could go on for this for hours but <laughs> there are things we're not being told and i would suggest to you that something i needed before i got into mamma mia was how do you take care of yourself exactly mm -hmm. that's the ma i think that's the main thing everyone needs to be careful of is is back on themselves essentially yeah how do you take care of yourself how do you take care of your body like if you go to brent street um as my husband did like he didn't he's so he's so tricky he didn't even need to go to a three-year musical theater degree because he was like when he was 17 he got into a shout which was you know that shout that was around in the 2000s i saw that um, when i was a little one i think that was one of my first musicals oh really i yeah. assume I'm, i assume i still have the teddy yeah Oh, that's so sweet. Um, he, like, they're just, if you like, my point is that if you go to Brent Street, for example, you have danced enough that you know how to overcome injury. 
but because at a musical theatre university you and and understandably so and I'm so grateful that they even do this but you do productions but you only do it for a week and a half maybe so you don't know how to keep your voice intact how to keep your body intact how like Annie Strauch from performance medicine who's like the physio for musicals in Australia was a godsend by the time I met her but that was 10 years into my performing life. Like she solved something that was not solvable for up to 10 years, which had begun in Mamma Mia in my sort of sacroiliac joint and no one understood. And like, if I had known more about my body and I could have, I could have done more about that. So there's just, it it was, um, I, here's my, here's what I tend to say. What I, what I think about the Mamma Mia day and Mamma Mia days. And I just think ahead to what Schwartz wrote later, which is what about joy? That thrill doesn't thrill. Like you think it will still, I just think of the opening of act two of wicked and I go that joy, that thrill often doesn't thrill in the way you think it will. Mm. And that is something that I want people to be ready for. Exactly. So that's probably what that was probably a little explanation of some Mamma Mia days and what I took away from it. There was so much joy, but there was also so much I didn't know that I now want people to know. Yeah, you kind of notice things when you're in your creative realm where you're like, yeah, I've got this. I've done all this training and everything. But then when you go into the industry itself, you kind of like notice some things that have been secret or hidden that you have to find out yourself to truly understand it. Right. And there's things like, like, let's go to the extreme for a moment. We shouldn't and don't need to know what the stars of musical theatre are being paid, for example. There are some things that we don't need to know because that should be kept secret for various negotiating purposes. But what we, but there's a lot of other stuff that we can certainly be made um, aware of. And, and what's great, and I've noticed in the last maybe three to five years, is there's a lot more people like Queenie van der Zen is doing it. And that's just one example. But there's so many people who've been in the industry, I'm one of them too, who now enjoy going into um, environments and going... Hey, y'all, you need to know these things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I tell you, yes. Just like letting, letting it all sink in and just like, yes, it's all processing right now. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> now, tracking back a bit, you touched on the Churchill Fellowship before. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that entails? Oh, 100%. I am a big fan of people knowing what money they have access to. It is very important. Yes. So, like, if I even tell you in order of events that sort of the this fellowship slash grant track that I went down, um, look, the, the prep prize for musical theatre isn't around anymore. It was an $80,000 prize, 50 grand in cash, if you can believe it, and 30 grand for this workshop um, that, that I was telling you about that Lucy did and a few other people. By the way, can I tell you that the three young people in that workshop were Ben Lewis, who went on to play Phantom in Love Never Dies, <gasps> Verity hump who went on to play Mary Poppins, and Lucy, who went on what? to play <laughs> Like, what the can you believe the people who I've had access <laughs> to? I, yeah, I just, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm very, <laughs> very grateful. But, um, so what? that prize was like seriously helpful financially, of course. Yeah. Um, but tracking forward, that doesn't exist anymore, but many things that I have got still do. Um, do you know what? I'll start by telling you the one that I didn't get access to. The, the only thing I ever pr- applied for that I didn't get that I want people to know about is the Ian Potter Cultural Trust. Um, so that just type that into Google, Ian Potter Cultural Trust. Uh, I think that was around seven or $8,000 back in the day. Um, but... 
the Australia Council. So I um, have applied for an Australia Council grant before. I got 10 grand to go across to America and do readings of Atlantis. Um, then I will also tell people who are maybe uh, maybe mid-career artists, there's the Australia Council fellowships. So I got a music fellowship and at that point it was worth $100,000, split over two years. Um, I think they're maybe worth 80 now. I mean, with COVID, who knows what's really going on today with those, but that exists. Um, uh, what else do I want people... There's money, there's money in, in various different places. Essentially, if you just Google musical theatre applications, artistic grant applications, um, obviously Vic Arts, like your state government, sometimes your local government, certainly the federal government, there is money that is there to assist you. Um, you just go like, check your spelling and have a good application. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to be good with your applications, but... Yeah, there's money out there to be had. Oh my God, the answers that you're giving are amazing. You've done so many accolades. It's incredible to hear about. You've won the, is it U, is it UTAS? UTAS Stephen Oh yeah, Schwartz. so the University of Tasmania, UTAS. Yeah, yeah. Songwriting yeah. Award, uh, the Pratt Prize for Musical Theatre, the $100,000 Australian Council Music Fellowship. And oh my gosh, you've been nominated for a Helpman Award for Best New Australian Work. Yeah, Metro Street, when it was at Adelaide at the State Theatre Company of South Australia. We got five Helpman nominations that year and it was oh, up against wow. Wicked and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Round of applause. <gasps> Yay. <laughs> Honestly, what? Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, what? You can't pick one as being like your most amazing achievement, obviously, because you've done all these amazing things. But is there one that has truly, like, that you're most proud of? Um... Hmm, 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 hmm. Well, I'll tell you that a Helpman nomination helps your working visa applications in America. Does so it, that's handy. Is it, is it well do known? You, oh, do you know what? Do you know what's the answer I would give you that I really, really want people to know? Yeah. Is that it, it, I'm not more proud of any of them. It's what I'm actually, uh, what I now know is that a prize is a, or, or a grant or fellowship is about what is about the pathway it can take you down. It is about what is the doing that can take place as a result of the accolade. So, for example, back to the Churchill Fellowship, I know I didn't really explain that fully, but that was like, that's up to $20,000 or so. Study something overseas that you cannot study in Australia. And, um, and so for example, that one, uh, was very, was crucial at the time. Cause I like, I couldn't afford necessarily to fly it back to and from America every year at the time, but that afforded me the money to get to America, be in a room, have Stephen Schwartz there. And now Stephen Schwartz is coming. So better actors want to take part. And now other people from the industry, like the dramaturg and literary manager of Disney theatrical productions is going to come. And a representative from Namco, the Chicago producers is coming. And then, so there's like a room at first, there was like maybe 10 people in the room during the Churchill Fellowship for the first reading of Happy People, which is a show I was working on at the time. At the second reading, there were we were on the stage of Playwrights Horizons, like that amazing off-Broadway theatre company. We're on the stage because they don't have a rehearsal room available. And now the stage is full of like people from that level of the industry. And there's six people and I'm playing... Um, I, I know I'm watching that one. Stephen said, stop playing for your readings. Great. So I was watching that reading. And so they're like, I've got a pianist in and six actors. And so the Churchill Fellowship afforded me to... Uh, to then create a report at the end, which is available online, actually. If you go to Churchill Fellowship and type in my name, you'll find the report I wrote and what I found as a result of rewriting a musical there. So that afforded that. The Pratt Prize afforded me time and space to work on Metro Street and knock on the door of every state theatre company in the country as Lucy and I toured around doing our two-person show. So actually, they're all equally important for what it can help you do or facilitate. And it's vital as well, especially for your own creative career as well. Yeah, I mean, 
how many of us get very tired from the day job and we get home and we're like, I'm too tired to make something now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And plus it's creative industry is a difficult industry to get into. Would you say that from your perspective? Uh, Okay. Here's no, I wouldn't say it's a difficult industry to get into. What I would say is that it requires exceptional amounts of focus. So here's the thing. If we, we could say it's difficult, but if we say it's difficult, then there's one extra reason slash a thousand extra reasons not to do the thing you want to do. If we say that it requires exceptional amounts of focus, then we're like, okay, this is, this is not going to be, um, what do I say? This is not going to be obvious. And that actually comes back to what you were saying earlier. It is not obvious how to become part of it. So maybe instead of, uh, uh, here's where I come around and sort of agree with you, but a flip of a coin agree with you. The performing arts industry, it's not that it's difficult, it's that it's a, it's obscure. It's difficult to know what to do, how to do it, how to, like, when to do it, how to do it. Um, but if you keep training, you end up being, and get very good at stuff, then you walk into a room and people want to hire you because you're very good at stuff. I'm just trying to think, is there something else about the sort of obscurity? Here's the thing, I've got to tell you, like, you guys today have reached out. Yeah. You guys reached out. And I am such an enormous fan of that. So one thing, one thing I would go back and say is that we have, it is, it is excellent to reach out a lot more than we think we uh, should or can. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to ask either. Oh gosh. Most people, oh my gosh. Every single person I've ever met in New York city is usually so generous with their time, especially the creatives. The producers kind of have to make money and they're off doing their own thing. But I mean, the creatives have to make money too, but they know what it was like to be you. And so they are usually quite open to having a half hour coffee. If you ask. Love it. Well, speaking of the amazing advice, you offer vocal guidance as well and coaching online through your website. Is that correct? Yes, I do. So yeah. I've got like I've got this um this pool of vocal coaching students who I have, and I and I, so I spend maybe three three days a week out of seven days a week, yeah. um working with them. Of course, it's pretty much all online at the moment. And yeah. um, but look, we all was, know how the online world works now. Yeah, I was going to say, how's it been adjusting to it online compared to being physically in a room? Well, I would say to you that probably 60% of the people I was working with were online because I was in New York and they were in New Zealand and Canada and Australia and and around America. Mm -hmm. So actually I was completely set up for the pandemic as anyway. You're ready. (laughs) I was ready. I was ready. Um, But yeah, so like I do, I do this vocal coaching, but there's, there's a new thing that's coming down the pipeline when it comes to working with other people, um, especially online and it's the first time I've ever done it, and I'm gonna get. I'm very excited about it. Ooh! Can you, can you tell us anything? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> In fact, I think you're the first people I'm telling this to uh, in a public way. Um, so, I mean, look from the chat we've had already, you can tell that there's a lot of things I want people to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're very and, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> And, um, and so there's a new thing and it's called tune up. And so essentially it's going to be five sessions over five weeks. It'll be Friday nights in America and Saturday mornings in Australia. So the two major time zones that I work in will be covered and it'll be an hour to an hour and a half, um, each session. And it's going to cover, and I've broken down, uh, the five main, uh, points or hinge points that, I find most people don't know 
about everything from taking care of themselves to taking care of their planning and their resources, what they have access to that they don't even know they have access to. And to be honest, right through to the specifics of, and I thought this was a no brainer and I've been chatting to a couple of people about it. This, this, the, the fifth week out of the five covers communication. Now I thought that everyone knows how to write a great email. And it turns out that not everyone actually knows how to contact people and get them to respond, right? You can send an email, but sometimes people don't really get back to you. And, and there is language, there's specific language that I want people to know to use in order to get people to respond to you. So it's, so this thing called tune up, it's going to be, it's going to be very exciting. Cause I've got like probably hundred, like I've done my workshops, like singing actor and new voice, uh, new voices. I think I've done maybe 26 of them around Australia over an eight year period. And so all of those people that I've worked with, they're going to hear from me first. I'm going to contact them and go, Hey, this is available and here are the things I want you to know. And, and really it comes from a place of, I want people to feel better and not be exhausted. Exactly. I always say exactly after every single question, like answer, cause I'm like, cause I'm, it's just sinking it in of your yeah. amazing advice. So I'm like, yes. Yes, Matthew, yes. We could write a whole book of all the golden nuggets you've given us today. And maybe sure. we will. <laughs> we'll make a little picture book and there'll be like pictures of us and how we saw each other on Zoom and then pictures of the podcast. Playhouse exactly. Publishing <laughs> yeah. can be our little, like our, like our label that we release books under. Exactly. <laughs> In America, it might be called BCZ. Book Chelsea and Jane. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it sounds very snappy. It's like, BCZ. We're marketing your book already. It's like, we're already working it. <laughs> So speaking of books, can you tell us what inspired you to write Atlantis the musical? Oh, Atlantis. Well, I used to spend a lot of time at the Rockhampton Library. Um, and I would always get at those like the Tintin series, like the adventure series. I also, when I was eight, thought I was going to be an archaeologist, just so you know. So I, um, <laughs> I've, I, it's just like just ancient things have always been so I've just been obsessed with ancient things. And so um, one of, um, when it came to after Metro Street and I'd written this five person domestic dramedy and I knew I wanted the next thing I wrote to be fairly um, like Game of Thronesy level high stakes. Mm-hmm. Where, because, you know, Metro Street, there's a lot going on inside of the people, but I wanted there to be like the physical expression of like battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought back and I was having a think through like the Shakespearean catalogue and even the Bible. And I was like, what is a world that is high, high stakes that I can invent something about? And I was like, oh my God, when I was between the age of eight and 12, I read every book on Atlantis in the Rockhampton Library. And so I was like, oh my God. Atlantis, an ancient world. What what happened to it? I want to. I'm going to make up something that says what happened to it. So then I was like, okay. So it's going to be about the few days leading up to the destruction of the ancient mythological kingdom. I was like, well, that's exciting. And then I started. Um, so I, had, I created my own version of what happened, specifically in the days leading up to its disappearance. And that show has been on an enormous journey. I suppose you you might have heard before that like a Broadway musical pro like most Broadway musicals have been in development for up to 10 years Wow! and honestly for real and for true. So when you want to work on a musical, you probably want to have a very committed idea of what you want to spend your time doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Back to like, what do you want to focus on for a very long time? <laughs> so I was, and, gonna say, what was, so the, I was like, 
Sorry, I was yeah. going to say, what was the process like? Because it is a big process doing it, though, with Atlantis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to condense that story, there were a series of readings at WAPA at my alma mater. So um, they were very supportive at the beginning of that process. So the first years, on three separate occasions, I got to work with the first year group on like a two-week workshop, fully paid, flew me across, all of that. Brilliant. Um, now, I couldn't detail every person who has been part of the life of Atlantis, but I'm going to jump to the end uh, of the current story, which is that in 2019, we had our first ever, uh, it's not called a world premiere. This is like a piece of uh, trivia. <laughs> so in America, when you do a first production of something, the world premiere rights are separate to be negotiated. So your two to three million dollar production at like one of the top five out of town tryout houses in America usually gets the capital W capital P world premiere uh, um, billing. So the version we did, um, what we knew as the team was that it was called a developmental production, which is for the first time, this is going to get to the stage. We had a cast of uh, 20 to 22 people. Um, my husband, Scott was in it. He's the co-book writer and he was the dance captain. Um, wow. our, it was so cool. Um, we had, so the team was a real Broadway team. So Kristen Hanke, the Rock of Ages director and, um, Amy Clark on costumes who did Chaplin and Jason Sherwood, who's since won an Emmy for rent live on Fox TV. So, um, and, and others like Broadway producers as well, but we all came together, got this thing up after many, 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 many readings and developments over that many, over a number of years. And so that's what we got Atlantis to. And would you believe, oh my gosh, on the 30th of March, 2020, we had a reading in which we were inviting money people to come to a room in New York city and chart the next enormous developmental stage of um of atlantis we even had one of our um uh, primary uh, investors slash co-producers coming across she was in los angeles at the time about to fly across and she had to turn away and around and go home because COVID hit wow. we were all converging in a room in new york city on march 30th 2020 and so we have this ridiculously fun and exciting new draft ready to go like three new songs 60 percent of the lyrics rewritten 60 percent of the dialogue rewritten and it's it's like on the cusp of something and so yeah and so we are we're taking a meeting zoom meetings once every week or every two weeks at the moment because we think we're getting closer to deciding how to develop it in 2021 2022 um given that we now know what the audience really likes about it. And if we've got time, I will tell you that in Virginia, at um, Virginia Repertory Theatre, the coolest day, apparently, that I was not there for was the school's audience. Ooh. So there was one invited school's audience where the theatre was just full of, I think they were primarily 12 to 18 years old. I think that was the demographic. But Scott um, FaceTimed me, uh, so my husband FaceTimed me from after the show. And he's like walking away from the theater, FaceTiming me going, they screamed for this show. These 12 to 18 year olds are screaming for this show. They came, they, he goes, Maddie, they've run up to me. I'm, I've left the stage door. They've come running up to us going, oh, I'm on team Caden. No, I'm on team Ara. It was basically oh. like a twilight situation where they were <laughs> rooting for the two love interests to win the female leads love. Um, and then, and then as he was FaceTiming me, he goes, oh my God, hang on, I'm sorry. And then five um, teenagers ran up to him and swamped him and went, oh my gosh, were you in the show? Oh my gosh, can you sign this for me? Oh my gosh. I'm like, 
So we worked out that one of the key demographics that we didn't realise would love this show are, like, these beautiful individuals who are in the height of wrangling with their hormones and their, like, desires and their battles and their struggles and they're wanting to get where they want to go but feeling like they're trapped on this, let's say, metaphorical island and they have to get off it and they have to... Yeah, it, it was kind of amazing. I cannot wait to have, like, my little cohort I'm, I'm manifesting it because it's going to be soon like my little cohort of drama kids be like okay kids we're going to Atlantis let's hop in the bus well hopefully for the Australian tour I'll, I'll be teaching yes. and I'll have I've got I've got a tight deadline now yes you do you before, have a very specific deadline it's very important that you get it done <laughs> <laughs> make sure I'm out of school with a drama class ready to go ready to go yeah all right awesome <laughs> So we're kind of uh, we're about to uh, end things really shortly, but just before we um, head off, and Brooke's going to give the final lovely question. Um, where can we find you on your socials? Got it, got it, got it. So on Instagram, um, I'm at the full name at Matthew Lee Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the primary place to go to go. Oh, what's happening in visual or audio format? Um, you can also head to the Atlantis Musicals Instagram, which is at the Atlantis Musical. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just started that up in November, and we're like, oh, we got all of these Broadway leading ladies to sing "I Will Run" from <gasps> like the big song from the show. It was so fun, honestly. Just go there and listen to these five women just like belt their faces off. We've got like Princess Jasmine, um, um, Olaf, um, El- the last Elsa from Frozen on Broadway. Like these, it's just we, Mean Girls, Erica Henningsen, like just ridiculous. Um, and so that's where you can find like all the Atlantis updates. But if you probably the hub to head to, and if people want to reach out to me personally, like, like I say, if people want to get in touch and go, what's this tune up course you're going to run? Or like, what's like just some other things that I'd like to know from you um just head to the website so it's matthewleerobinson.com and you head to the contact section and there'll be like this place you can get in touch with me via email perfect thank you so much for being so generous with all of your with your time and also with your knowledge and expertise before you go a question (laughs) that we ask everyone is okay you've lived in new york you've lived in north queensland wa but where's home to you? Where do you feel most at home? <laughs> Pretty easy question. No. <laughs> do you know what? The answer is wherever Scott Morris, my husband, is. Oh, I love love. That's the best. <laughs> That's the wholesome question. <laughs> we love it. Well, thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you having me. I'm so glad to have a chat. Oh, very oh honestly appreciate everything i've just been mm-hmm. in a daze mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to you but honestly stay safe yes oh, yes and enjoy new york when you get back there yes i will and i really can't wait to get back like oh we love our apartment in new york <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much matthew all right take care thank you bye, bye. playhouse picks playhouse picks it's time for some playhouse picks <laughs> Now, since we've just heard about the magic of theatre from our new best friend, Matthew, Yay. which he didn't say, but we've decided. He's our best friend, Matthew, he is our friend. <laughs> mentor, um, life coach, etc. Yes. Matthew, let's find out some of the magical theatrical things you can find right here in Brisbane. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that wasn't even that planned. That interesting. <gasps> we can do that. Maybe we should start like an improv song troupe. We'll save that and we'll make that our little jingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Well, we're going to kick it off with an absolute toe tapper. La Boite Theatre 
Sydney Opera House and Lance Reynolds are bringing Brisbaneites a cabaret which combines comedy and contemplation Ooh. with saucy stories. Oh. Moments of reflection. Oh. And a candid look at the downside of fame. Ah, <gasps> uh, no. This production is called Bigger and Blacker and it is an autobiographical performance by Stephen Oliver from ABC's hit television series Black Comedy. If this sounds right up your alley, then book your tickets between the 8th and the 27th of March at labwat.com.au. And as we have said before, if you've forgotten how to spell labwat, worry not. It's on the <laughs> show notes. how to spell labwat, worry not. <laughs> we'll, oh, that was we'll interesting. Bit of a oh, song I just wrote. But honestly, I love me a rollicking cabaret book, honestly. You know what else is guaranteed to be roll? Uh, oh, you know what else is to be guaranteed a rollicking good time? Pirates of Penzance from Lynch and Patterson. Arrgh. Arrgh, me hearties. <laughs> now, this absolute classic was so good on its maiden voyage in 2020 that it will be looping back around for a second sale. Batten down the hatches. Batten down the hatches. <laughs> <laughs> so, this band of pirates will touch down at the Princess Theatre in Willingabba. Tickets can be found at lynchandpatterson.com. And shout out, hey, hey, a cheeky shout out to one of our fabulous podcast assistants, Sophie, who will be there shining on stage. So excited for her. Get on that stage, Soph. Massive chookers, Sophie. Go, girl. Go, gal. We're proud of you. <laughs> okay, roomies, are you ready for another song by Brooke? Because you're getting one anyway. You have no say in this. <laughs> okay, guess the next show. Picture this. There's a blackout. From behind the blackout, you hear... <laughs> Did you guess it? Well, it's fame. <gasps> oh, it you is. Know fame. Yes. We all know fame. Yes. Okay, roomies. There are so many jams within this musical mm -hmm. that you already know and love and they're coming to Morton Bay Theatre they're blessing us with this feel-good production about rising above our obstacles and reaching for those stars the bedazzled fun kicks off on the 12th of March and runs until the 28th if you would like to grab yourself a ticket or grab me a ticket or grab yourself a few tickets head on over to <laughs> mbtc.com.au remember their name Morton Bay Theatre Company <laughs> they're putting on a show now okay that's enough that's enough of that Alrighty. Gels. Alrighty. So, this next Playhouse pick features someone who is actually famous. Other than us? Oh, other than us, of course, yes. Well, that yes. was cringy. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on, we'll move on. Keep going. It's improv. Keep going. Improv, yes, and. <laughs> From, Austra <laughs> From Australia to West End, Broadway, and all the way back home, musical theatre superstar, Caroline O'Connor, is set to serenade QPAC audiences from the 10th to the 13th of March in her own one-woman show, Caroline O'Connor from Broadway with Love. Aww. Aww. Exciting. O'Connor will bring highlights from her illustrious career and sing through some of her absolute favourites in a wholesome and intimate evening at the theatre. Tickets can be purchased at qpac.com.au. And as we say every single week, you can find all of the links, all of the deets, all of the goss in the show notes. Uh, also, if you would like to get to know your, your roomies, you can find us on Instagram, Playhouse Pod, H-A-U-S, Playhouse Pod. Yeah, cheeky follow, slide into our DMs. Still looking for a next year Valentine's Day date for Chelsea, so we'll start that campaign oh, now. A year in advance, really? <laughs> we want to be able to get the best possible candidates. It's like, um, what do you call it? A podcast version of The Bachelorette. That's always been my goal. <laughs> yeah, it's a potential, but yes. 
Dreams do come true. <laughs> Anywho, follow us on Instagram, comment, like, etc. All that jazz. All that jazz. I actually wasn't even joking. Like, I cannot wait to go and see Atlantis. It sounds so cool. I am excited. It's, it's not coming to Australia yet, isn't it? But if we manifest it, it'll have to. It has to. It's interesting. I want to hear more about it. I know. And he was, I really, I'm going to go check out the Instagram page and see. Because Erica Henningsen, hello. Yeah. She's a booked, speaking of booked and busy, she's booked and busy. Yeah. Hashtag booked and busy. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in onto this episode with Matthew Lee Robinson. If you are an emerging artist or would like to feature on our show, you can always visit our Theatre House website and just visit the Playhouse tab in the menu bar. That's where you can submit and apply to be a potential guest on the show. Yes. Yes. Mm, yes. 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 <laughs> then deal with us. <laughs> Or enjoy our presence. It depends on on you, I guess. It's up to you and what you're like, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next week. We're going to catch you on the flip side. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Where are you going? uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. (laughs) I'm seeing a show tonight. Oh, you're seeing a show tonight? Yeah. (gasps) So I'm going to go get ready for that. Glam time. Glam time. Let's do this. A night in the theatre. Alrighty. See you later, guys. Bye. And see. Hello. I hope you enjoyed slash are enjoying slash will enjoy whatever podcast I'm in right now. Once you're finished with it, why not pop on over to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. Join me, James Shearer, in a deep dive into what makes this industry tick. You'll hear conversations with some of the top names in the Aotearoa performing arts scene and beyond, from the up-and-coming to the big Shorty Street stars. So, if you're into the performing arts, come on over to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams. Because no two journeys are the same, and wherever you are in yours, I hope we can inspire you to soldier on and keep following your Kiwi dreams. Uh, That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.